Hello, and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale a Business Podcast. My name is Hector Santia Esteban, and I'm one of your hosts. Today, we are here with Ali Long, and the subject of today is you, the listener, and we're going to talk about self-leadership because as business owners, we just by nature of the beast become leaders, whether it's of our organization, of our business, of our team. But ultimately, what Ali's here to talk about is more importantly, we need to lead ourselves first. And then we really start to see some of the fruits of that other leadership. So Ali, thanks for hanging out and spending some time with us today. Yes, thanks. Looking forward to it. Catch us up on how you got into this space, what you've been doing, and then a little bit about what you do with your clients now. Yeah. So my background really is in the corporate space. I spent probably 15, 20 years in the talent development, leadership development space. So gained a lot of practical experience in terms of creating programs, helping leaders, new existing individuals who are looking to get promoted or maybe even aren't in leadership roles at the time to really get the skills that they need to be successful. So in that process, I've built a lot of programs in-house and then recently over the last year or so, gone out, started up my own life and leadership coaching company, working with individuals to help them primarily get unstuck from things that they might be stuck on in life. But a big aspect of what I do is really around self-leadership and self-awareness and how that plays a role. So a lot of my work has taken people back, not to leading others. That's where organizations start if there's any training whatsoever offered. And research shows it's like 80%, I think, of people who are promoted don't get that type of support. But once they are promoted, if they get anything at all, it's really how to lead others. And what we've always missed as organizations and as training functions is what does the person know about themselves and how does that play into it? So that's some of what I want to touch on today in terms of how that really supports positive success in the entrepreneurial space as well. Yeah. It's, I don't even know if it's politically correct to say anymore, but here it goes because my mom used to always say it. It's like the blind leading the blind. It's that kind of concept where how can you expect someone to lead others if they haven't been trained on that self-leadership first? And so I'm curious, when you go and you look at the landscape almost from a third person or an objective and outside perspective, what are you seeing that they're doing wrong or what they're missing? We don't always need to focus on the gap, but I think the gap is helpful to highlight, you know, and show people what the problem is really. But what would you say is currently happening that's preventing this self-leadership to actually take place? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll speak to the corporate space. In my coaching, I'm focused much more on -on one-on-one and smaller scale type coaching arrangements. So it's really helping the individual because it can be a very sensitive time of learning to dig into who you are and why you're that way. So I prefer to do that more on a one-on-one basis. But when you think about organizations, what you typically notice is that, again, if people get trained, they're not getting trained on looking at any of that in themselves. You're being put in front of a group of individuals. You may or may not have mentor support. You haven't had the training on how to do that. You may do your job well. Most of, I think, the promotions that you hear of out there are people who do really well in their job, And the way they're congratulated or recognized is to be promoted. So suddenly they're in a new role. They're responsible for anywhere from one to 20 to however many people on their team to also get work done. But there's a lot more, as anyone who's led people know, that comes with that. There's the personalities. There's the difficulties, the motivating people. Sometimes it's coaching performance. And other times it might be terminating individuals because they're not a fit for the organization or role. So there's just so much more to it that people aren't prepared on. But when you think about self-leadership, If they're missing some of the understanding themselves, how do you do that well? How do you do the leadership part well when you're leading others? Yeah. It brings up a great point because 
In a corporate space, I would imagine that it's a little more challenging because there's always the job security kind of thing going on. But as an entrepreneur or as a business leader, a CEO, someone who's a founder, I would imagine that there is that same perhaps unwillingness to be vulnerable or to be honest about where you're at or who you are because... I remember early on in my career feeling like I had to have a certain image or be a certain way in order to be a quote unquote leader. And I'm curious what you think about that and if those insecurities or fears are something that even entrepreneurs deal with when they're working with their team or even with clients. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think when you look for articles out there, there is a lot of information about people feeling like they're going through this imposter syndrome. That's a big one that I see a lot out there about right now. This new leader stepping into a role thinks that they need to be just as successful as somebody who's been in for 20 years, you know, and or they need to act in a certain way or maybe even model a, a leader that they know worked out really well that they liked working for. But if we're not genuine to the way we lead, if it doesn't reflect our personality, it becomes inauthentic to others. They're not going to connect with it in the same way. And the same thing goes for your business. There has to be a level of vulnerability that you're putting a little bit of yourself out there. You don't need to air all of what you figure out about yourself through the self-exploration process, but you need to know enough about it to know what are the pieces that I can share that people know maybe I've gone through a similar struggle or that I am the person they want to reach out to to help them with X or to provide a service, whatever that is. If they don't know that, how do they connect with you in a way that they want to work with you? So we're missing that piece if we don't have that awareness. Hmm. So let's say someone wakes up or they have this epiphany or realization and goes, Ali, you're right. (laughs) There is this gap, this problem or whatever challenge, and they're willing to start taking that self-leadership path. Where does someone start? How does someone get going with something like that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people started on their own. A lot of people who know that they need to do a little bit more, that they're taking the initiative to try to develop that piece, they'll do what they can. They'll get a mentor. They'll talk to other people who are successful. They'll reach out to individuals to try to get feedback on how they're doing, you know, both upward peer and perhaps direct reports. So there's a lot of different ways that they do try to do that on their own. There's a lot of great books out there, a lot of wonderful podcasts, you know, a lot of things that people can learn on their own. The challenge is that sometimes without a coach or without someone to bounce some of that off of, as you're learning, as you're starting to apply it, as you're running into challenges, applying the new learning and really figuring out what is your leadership style and how does that all fit in, the challenge is that they may not be as successful. So you almost reach a point of like, I've done as much as I can on my own, but now I really need to figure out how do I raise this up a little bit more and take a deeper dive and then really be able to see the impact it can have on my life and on my career. Yeah. I always try and play devil's advocate for the listener and say, yeah, but Allie, we've got other things that are going on. We need to work on our marketing or our sales processes. You know, we've got all these other things that are more urgent or more critical or at least seemingly. So what are your thoughts on that? Or how does someone begin to prioritize or incorporate these sort of things? Or is this kind of thing for everybody or is only for a person who's in a particular kind of situation? I think it's for everybody. I originally started out my coaching business focused much more on leadership, but I can see this is applicable to anybody who's really willing to improve themselves, knows that they can do more in the world, both in their personal life or in their career, and really is willing to take the initiative to do it. So I don't think there's a limitation on who it's right for. What I do see is that the people that do it, it's life-changing. If they're willing to take the time, if they're willing to take the steps to really start exploring who they are, how they're wired, 
how that impacts others around them, impacts their success, their relationships. One example I'll give you, and it comes up often, is when you deal with a situation being stressed or burnout, you're almost kind of too late dealing with this. You've not looked into it. And you were kind of saying, is this really worthwhile? There's a lot of other competing priorities. Why would I care? I think the question back to you is, do you put you first? At what point in our lives do we stop long enough? And that's why we don't do this in the first place, training-wise, is we don't take the time to pause. We don't have the time to pause to really do the things that are going to make the greatest impact. But once we've made the commitment to do that and really dig into that, the rest comes much easier. And I've seen people who've been in this space of burnout being able to reprioritize, being able to figure out a way to look at things about what they can and can't control and what should I worry about? Where should my energy go? And it's actually helped them both in their jobs as well as in their relationships with family, friends. Just the quality time that they have when they take it is completely different. So they really do feel that it's life-changing. And that would be my commercial for why I think it's so important. I've seen those impacts. I think business and entrepreneurship and leadership and all of the, I mean, there's so many opportunities for things to mirror back to us ourselves. And I think that was something that I learned early on was that business and entrepreneurship was going to highlight things and it was going to bring things to light. And unfortunately, a lot of those things were not things that were particularly good about me. It was at least initially, it was showing me a lot of my deficits or a lot of the things that I at least could improve on. And there was a humility that was required to not turn those away or make excuses or blame or all those other things to actually you know, take responsibility. And I think that's it, to take responsibility for those things. And I think that's a little bit about what you're talking about is being able to look inward instead of pointing outward at what's wrong. Yeah. I mean, the entrepreneurial space and what it requires of you, you need to know those things to be able to be successful. You can't hide from the things about yourself that maybe aren't your strengths or that are going to get in the way of your success in that type of work environment where you're responsible for the results you get. If you aren't listening to customer feedback and all of a sudden you're losing customers or you're not gaining new ones, if we're not constantly listening to what we're asking for, first of all, and then listening and responding to that feedback that we're getting, how do we improve? How do we make sure that we stay relevant, that we continue to be successful? I'm curious, when we get back from break, I want to ask about habits, routines, rituals, things like that, that might help someone to grow in their self-leadership. And so we're going to get into that right when we get back from break. Hey, y'all. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a podcast production company, but we like to think of ourselves as genius makers. And so if you have a mission or message or passion or purpose, we want to help get your genius out to the world. Go to AmplifyMedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y Media.com. And if you just don't have the time or tech skills to get that out there, we might be able to help. Okay, Ali. So we've talked about self-leadership, and we've talked about it from a personal perspective and the way that it can help. But I'm curious, what are the other benefits of someone going along this journey and taking up the shield of self-leadership? Yeah, well, I think one big thing is, and you touched on it a little bit right before the break, understanding what our individual strengths and weaknesses are and really thinking about how those are going to impact our business. So what is that going to get in the way of in terms of us achieving results? maintaining customers. At some point when you expand your business enough that you end up hiring team members or working with other people to help put your work together, do we know what's going to get in the way of that? So if we can be aware enough to have picked that out ahead of time, we can start working on those things to make sure they don't get in the way of our success. I think it also helps us. The biggest thing is we don't know what we don't know. So where our blind spots lie, 
we may or may not have ever gotten feedback from other people on that. People tend to be reserved about it. We don't see them. That's why they're called blind spots. But if we can start digging into some of this, we may even really discover some of them on our own and start putting pieces together. And that's a little bit longer term process. But again, if we're not aware of them, if we're not looking for these things and starting to say, hmm, this has happened two or three times now, is there something I'm not catching that I'm doing in a way that's really rubbing someone wrong in our conversations? That ends up impacting customers, relationships, connections, and then ultimately, you know, our businesses that we're leading. As we're expanding our team, whether you are hiring people to support your business as you grow, or you're outsourcing some of that to individuals that you need to do key elements of the work that keeps your business running, we need to be able to manage those individuals. So that gets back more into that formal, how am I leading people and how am I getting things done? And knowing your style and knowing, again, some of those blind spots is is really critical to making sure that you don't get hung up in that space of having to spend more time managing than you really have time to spend. I talked a little bit too about burnout earlier. And when you think about the level of stress that people have, if they understand what stresses them out, or maybe what triggers them in a day, or what are my breaking points? If they know those things, they can be more planful around how do they deal with them, understanding what their responses are to them, being a little more intentional around how they react to things that are in their environment. And again, all of that could be things that customers are witnessing, or just again, word of mouth that's getting out there about how they run their business. And this certainly all impacts everyone who's in this entrepreneurial space. Yeah. It's really interesting because it's coming at a perfect time in Ali and these conversations always do because we think that we can either outwork or outlearn or even just out ignore our weaknesses. I had a mentor who said that to focus on your strengths so much so that your weaknesses become insignificant. And I think there is still wisdom to that, but we can't ignore them. It doesn't mean that we can just avoid or pretend. And I think that what you're talking about is this responsibility and this understanding that, hey, if if we're not good in a certain thing, that there's an acceptance to that. And it doesn't mean that we are damned or it's not a prescription. It's just simply an awareness. It's like when the light goes off on your car. It doesn't mean that your car is broken. It's simply letting you know where perhaps to focus more attention. Yeah. And that's a great example. And I love what you're saying, you know, that you shared about your mentor. The concept of strengths and weaknesses or opportunities for improvement, it really is an area where we need to know our strengths and we can often lead very strongly with the things we're good at. It doesn't mean developing weaknesses. I know there's a lot of research out there, even with the 360s that I've used in the past, where it says working on the weaknesses isn't the way to improve your strengths either. But being aware of them, making sure that they're not major blind spots. If you have that level of awareness, that's what this is all about. Yeah, this concept of blind spots too is also really something that has become very present or prescient for me recently. And and I'm going through a lot of bigger life changes, at least recently. There was the global thing. My kids are three and four and got married a little before that. So all these new things, and especially in business, when you're coming in and you're doing something that perhaps you've not done before, or you're growing into a new stage of business that you've never been before, you're going to run into blind spots. And by their definition, you can't see them. That is what they are, is you're not able to see them. So how do you help people to navigate? And obviously, having a coach and having someone to see around those blind spots is huge. But is that your approach to it? Or is there another way that you think about, I don't know if overcoming blind spots is the right word, but at least not letting them send you off the side of the cliff? Yeah. My approach is really helping people, first of all, figure out where they have blind spots. So it's understanding some of our reaction to things, understanding 
our basic wiring, I always call it. And how did we become this way? Why do we react the way we do? It's things we've learned. It's things that have stuck with us throughout our lives. Some of it comes from really early in life, but it becomes things that trigger us or maybe even becomes a blind spot in how we react to certain people when they ask for something or the way they talk to us. If we can be aware of that, then we can really help to manage the way we deal with those challenges in life. Yeah, I'm realizing that the feedback is so, so important. And me, I'm someone who doesn't like to feel wrong. So I find myself shying away from feedback because I would much rather get no feedback than bad feedback, or at least that's how I would feel initially, right? Because it kind of stings a little bit. But I've also learned that not seeking that feedback not looking and assessing where you're at, not being honest with where you're at can be detrimental too, right? And so it's those honest and understandings of it. I'm curious if there are things that pull you back on track, or I'd imagine that after a while, this self-leadership thing is not something that you are trying to implement, but it's actually something that you more so become and kind of embody. So what is that look like? If someone has gone down this path and they are seeing progress, what could be the ideal or what's the vision that they might look towards with regards to developing their self-leadership? Yeah, I think it becomes more planful responses to the things that are happening around us, an ability to pause and be a bit more present. When we're not present, that's when the emotions, the thoughts, all of those things start taking over. So when they can kind of step back and say, hey, when these challenges occur, my default behavior or reaction to that is this, and understanding that about themselves or how they react in times of stress, they can understand that, then they can start influencing how they react to those things differently in the future. And it's little things, I say little things, but they're things that to your point, you really have to practice and start implementing, and then they become more natural. And it's things like looking at what's inside versus outside of my control. That's always a big one that comes up in conversations with people to say, there are certain things in the world that happen, whether it's what people say about me or you know what might happen in a certain situation, I may not have any control over. And that's life. And a lot of things are outside of our control, but we get very sensitive to losing control. And within a business context, that can put you into a tailspin that you spend a lot of time and energy trying to recover from that. So if we can really say, hey, out of this situation, I know this is kind of a mess, but what am I taking away? What am I learning from it? What can I control within this? that is still within my sphere. And then being able to feel much more confident about what our next steps are because of that has always been helpful for people. Yeah, it's interesting. The idea of triggers is something that at least I've looked to personally to look at my triggers with relationships and parenting and all those sorts of things. But it's not something I've thought about with regards to business and entrepreneurship. But I can realize that when we have certain situations with a client or certain things happen, or there's common business situations that I'm looking at, my emotional response would be the exact same thing to being triggered. It's the exact same thing. And maybe it's a freak out or maybe it's avoiding, but we're losing control of our response there, which is what you're talking about. Yeah. And that's really what I have people go back and look at. And that's why it's such a personal journey for people, because a lot of that comes from a very sensitive space. It could come from their childhoods or whatever. But taking a look at that, it doesn't have to be traumatic to look at it, but it has to be something that we look at because you're right. It doesn't just affect our personal worlds. It's not just how you interact with your family. But the same types of things will trigger you in the workplace and then might mean, hey, you don't get the promotion because of the way you acted at work or you're not leading people well if you're in a leadership role. There's a lot of ways that that comes out to play and often because those triggers are blind spots for people. Yeah, this is in a fantastic conversation. 
Ali, is there anything else on your list? I appreciate the amount of preparation that you put into this because both in your experience and then also leading up to the conversation, is there anything else that you know, I think should be talked about that we haven't gotten to today? I mean, I think overall, it's just getting back to the point of prioritizing yourself and understanding that while this is something the world is not focused on, I would honestly say that this is something that can set you apart from everyone else if you take the time and the initiative to do this. You know, whether you're working in a corporate setting or whether you're running your own business, this is stuff that not everyone's doing. But I think the world is moving in this direction of starting to really understand ourselves and figure out a deeper purpose to the work that we do and really getting meaning and fulfillment out of it. I think that's what we want. We don't want the dead end job anymore. People are starting to really change. And I think some of that has to do with the pandemic coming out of that with probably a different mindset on family and time spent at home versus in the office. There's a lot of things that have shifted. And I feel like we're just still on the beginning of this and understanding where that's going to lead people from a career standpoint, from a self-exploration process. But I think the self-leadership and the self-awareness is really critical to just overall learning and growth. If you are looking to grow yourself, if you're looking to continue to improve, just being able to reflect on the experiences that you had, seeking feedback, and, and to your point, it can be kind of challenging because you don't want to hear the bad things. But if you're not aware of them, it doesn't mean they don't exist. It just means you're not paying attention to them and everyone else is seeing them, right? And we have no opportunity to do anything. So talk about out of control. You purposely place that out of your control and don't do anything about it. And then how do we continue to improve? So without continuing to learn and having this self-awareness, we can't optimally really make us the best we can be in our life and in our career for our family, for our coworkers, you know, direct reports, whatever that might be, customers. Allie, where can people go to get connected with you or follow up with you? Yeah, I have a website, which is www.et, the number four, the letter U.org. And I also have some other, I can share with you certainly, Hector, just some other links to some Facebook groups. My LinkedIn, I have my business energetic transformations is listed out there as well. And then I do have a pretty active blog where I've been putting a lot of information out around these types of topics with the most recent around this whole concept of people getting stuck and really how that impacts our lives and certainly impacts the world of entrepreneurs and not being able to move forward with what they need to, especially when they're sometimes a team of one. My last question for you, Ali, is in your opinion, what is the secret to growing or scaling a business? You know, I think it kind of goes back to self-awareness a little bit again, where we have to look at what needs to be done for our businesses. And there are times where we get stuck on a certain thing that's really not our forte. When you're running it solo, there's going to be things that you have to do that you like doing that really give you energy. I'm a creative space person, so I love that stuff. There's other pieces that I don't really enjoy as much. And so we all have those. But I think the goal is figure out where you do get stuck and be willing to either hire or outsource some of that so you can keep things moving and then still keep the energy and momentum in the spaces that you actually really want to play in. So the more we can do that, we can keep everything moving. Otherwise, we'll kind of pause on it, put it off to the side. Another week goes by, you realize that oh, I just still haven't finished that. We'll get caught in that trap. And that's not good for our businesses. Yeah, absolutely. This has been a really great conversation. Listeners, I want to thank you for sticking with us because this topic might be a little different than what we generally cover, but I think it's that much more relevant and that much more important because it tends to impact all areas of the business. And so if you got some value out of today, I'd appreciate a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know someone who is running a business, thinking about starting one, please send them this episode. And then I would encourage you to take action on something that Ali mentioned and reach out to either her or myself. Let us know how it goes. We would love to hear about your successes. But thanks as always for being a part of the How to Scale a Business Tribe. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.